Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So this last Thursday... Our daughter Emily turned 14 years old, and man, I don't know where the time has gone. It seems like it was uh, just yesterday that Sarah and I were driving around Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we lived at the time, and we were discussing names for our soon-to-be-born baby girl. And we wanted to be intentional in the name that we picked for our child. So ultimately, we, we landed on, we decided on the name Emily Grace. And the reason why we chose Emily is because it means studious, hardworking, or, or one who excels. And grace, of course, that means grace. All right, if you figured that out, good. Good, right? Grace means grace. And so in, in naming our daughter Emily Grace, it, it was our desire that she would, she would grow to, to have this desire to learn and to excel in in all of her work, in all of her studies, but also that throughout her life, she would be a reminder of God's grace. And and so although she's only lived 14 years, uh, I I can say that that so far she has lived up to that name. Now, my parents, they also were intentional in choosing my name. So the name Kevin has two primary meanings. The, The first meaning is kind one. This is why my parents have often told me that they chose my name, because it means kind one. The name Michael, which is my middle name, it means who is like God. If you remember, it was the archangel in scripture that was named Michael. And so my parents' desire in in giving me that as my middle name, their desire was that one day I would come to know the Lord and that I would I would grow and be shaped into his image. So it's not that they wanted me to be godlike, but that that I would become Christ-like. And so I've already said that Emily has lived up to her name, and so the question is, is have I lived up to my name? So I said that there's two primary meanings for the name Kevin. The first one is kind one. The second one is handsome. Now, if we go just based off of the second one alone, I think we can all agree that I've lived up to my name, right? Can I get an amen? Thank you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, in all seriousness, have I lived up to my name? And really, to answer that question, it won't be by examining my appearance. It will be by examining my actions. Have I lived up to this name of, of being kind and being shaped in his image? We, we see that not by my appearance, but by my actions. So this morning, we're launching into a three-part series titled The Lamb That Was Slain. And we're going to look at the first part today. We're going to look at the second part of the series, actually this Thursday night during our special Lord's Supper service. And and we're going to wrap this up next Sunday morning on Easter Sunday. Now, as we walk through this series, this three-part series, today we're looking at Jesus Revealed. Thursday night, we're going to look at Jesus Crucified. And next Sunday morning, we're going to look at Jesus Revealed risen. 
But this morning in our passage, I want us to consider not the name Emily and not the name Kevin, but I want us to consider the name Jesus, which happens to be a good name to consider when we're at church on a Sunday morning, right? And and so if ever there was a name that was just jam-packed with so much significance, it's this name right here, Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 tells us, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm reminded of uh, some, some lyrics to a more contemporary song titled, What a Beautiful Name. It is the the song, if you haven't heard it, it says, what a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. The name of Jesus truly contains both power and beauty. Now, uh, I've shared what the name Emily means and what the name Kevin means, but what does that name Jesus mean? So the name Jesus literally means Yahweh saves. Now, now Jesus, as we call him, is a transliterated word from both Hebrew and Aramaic, from the word Yeshua, the name Yeshua. And, and Yeshua is a combination of, of two different words, Yahweh, which is the name by which Israel knew God, and Yasha, which, mean, which means rescue. And so, From birth, Jesus' name was an announcement to mankind that God rescues, that Yahweh saves. Would you hear that announcement once again this morning? God rescues, Yahweh saves. And and as we recognize that God rescues, that, that Yahweh saves, it's important to just ask this question. Have you allowed God to rescue you? Through Jesus Christ, have you allowed Yahweh to save you? And if you haven't, then my prayer today would be that as we look at this scripture and as we consider the name of Jesus, that today you would allow God to rescue you from your sins. And so this morning, we're going to consider this name of Jesus. And as we look at our passage, we're going to examine Not Jesus' appearance, we're going to examine his actions, and we're going to see how his actions really reveal him to living up to his very name, Yahweh saves. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 28 through 40 today. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. Now as you're turning there, let me just set this passage up for you. What we're about to read is, uh, in Scripture is the triumphal entry of Jesus. It, this is what took place on the day that we now know as Palm Sunday, the Sunday where we find ourselves today. And, and Palm Sunday would be the start of what many call Passion Week or Holy Week. It, it's the final days, the final moments leading up to the cross. So you're probably familiar with the name Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon was the emperor of the French from 1804 to 1814, and again for a short period of time in 1815. And during his reign as emperor, Napoleon led in those Napoleonic Wars. And you're probably most familiar with 
with his defeat at the Battle of Waterloo in 1815. That's the one that we hear the most about. But it was actually in 1813 when the French lost in the Battle of Leipzig or the Battle of Nations that Napoleon's chief diplomat came to him and he said these words, this is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of the end. So as we arrive at Palm Sunday, as we look at Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, in many ways, this is the beginning of the end, at least for Jesus' earthly ministry, because as the disciples, they're, they're used to seeing Jesus preaching and performing miracles, but soon they're going to see Jesus hanging on the cross. This is the beginning of the end. But we also recognize that while Jesus did go to that cross and while he did die on that cross for your sins and mine and he was laid in a tomb, we recognize that that's not the end of the story. That that Jesus rose again victoriously defeating both death and the grave. And so as we we recognize that, that Jesus rose again, that this isn't the end of the story, we also remember with great hope and great joy that in Jesus there is no end. Let me say that again. In Jesus there is no end. This is an important truth for us to grab hold of, especially as we move through this week, as we prepare our hearts for the celebration this next week uh, of his resurrection, which, which, by the way, understand even though we, we make a big deal about Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday, really every single day of our lives as a believer is a celebration of his resurrection. We can, we can celebrate his resurrection each and every day as we walk in obedience to him and as we allow his resurrection power to be at work in our lives. And so... We recognize in Jesus there is no end because he, he didn't just die. He rose again. There is no end. And so Jesus wants to come into our lives and he wants to give us a life without end, a new life, a transformed life, a life that will never end. And so if you're here today and you would say that you've never received that life from Jesus Christ, you've never allowed him to become the Lord of your life, then my prayer is that not just today that you would hear this truth, but all week long leading up to Easter, that you would be reminded of this truth, that Jesus is alive and that he wants to give you a life without end, and that this week would be the week that you receive that life without end into your life. So with that in mind, let's look at our passage now. It's Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. It says, When he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples and said, Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. As they were there untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, why are you untying the donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. 
As he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the road. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. So as we look at this passage, I want to begin by highlighting those words that we see in verse 28. It says, when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Well, what is it that Jesus had said? Well, to, to put it simply, Jesus had just been teaching his disciples about an eternal kingdom, about God's kingdom. And so this prelude to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem is a reminder for us that Jesus was going into Jerusalem with a kingdom mission. So over the previous 11 weeks, we, we walked through a series looking at our own mission statement here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. And I reminded you each and every week that we are a community church with a kingdom mission. And so I think it's important to point out here that the reason that we as believers, that the reason that we as a church have a kingdom mission is because Jesus had a kingdom mission. Jesus' focus, Jesus' heart, Jesus' actions were all with a, an eternal kingdom in mind. His desire was to grow and to build God's kingdom. In other words, Jesus lived on this earth with eternity in mind. Jesus lived on this earth with eternity in mind. So let me pause and ask a question of you. Are you living with eternity in mind? Are you living with eternity in mind? Because bottom line, this is not it. This world that we are living in is not it. This life that we are living is not it. Now, in our world and culture, we often live with our futures in mind. We want to earn money, save money, and invest money so that one day, hopefully, we can retire comfortably. We live with our futures in mind. And so th this is kind of normal in our culture to, to live thinking about and preparing for our future. But, but are you living not just with your future in mind, are you living with eternity in mind? Because this is not it. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money you earn, how much money you save, or how comfortably you can retire. At the end of the day, there is one truth for every single one of us, and that is we all die. This is not it. So are you living with eternity in mind? Jesus had eternity in mind. He wasn't here to build an earthly kingdom. He was here to build an eternal kingdom. And it's for this reason, this kingdom mission, that we see him entering into Jerusalem, beginning the events that would ultimately lead him to the cross. And so as we walk through this passage now, and as we continue to consider Jesus' actions and Jesus' 
name, there, there are four things that I want you to see that, that Jesus is revealed to be that point back to Jesus living up to his name, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. So first, Jesus is revealed to be our peacemaker. Jesus is revealed to be our peacemaker. Let's look at verses 30 and 31 again. It says, go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. Jesus is revealed to be our peacemaker. The, the choosing of the donkey was deliberate on God's part. It was deliberate on Jesus' part. You know, a lot can be revealed about someone based on their mode of transportation. So if we were to look back out at, at the street back here, and, and we were to see a limousine drive by, we might think, man, there's someone famous or someone important in that limousine. You put some flags around that limousine and put a seal on the side of it, well, now... We have the President of the United States in that limousine. Now, if we see some Humvees and some tanks driving down the road, we might get a little concerned because all of a sudden the military is driving through town. A lot can be said about someone. A lot can be revealed about someone based on their mode of transportation. And Jesus' mode of transportation revealed something about him as well. As well. Now, oftentimes a, a donkey was not the chosen mode of transportation for, for a warrior, for someone going into battle. And, and this is really the, the type of person that the Jews were looking for as they thought about their coming Messiah. They were looking for a warrior, someone that would come in and overthrow the government. But Jesus didn't ride in on a horse like a warrior. Jesus rode in on a donkey. And so a donkey was often ridden by peaceable people, like a merchant or a priest. And so as Jesus rides into town on this donkey, without saying anything at all, he, he indicates that his mission was not one to bring war, but his mission was to bring peace. He indicates that he is our peacemaker. So as we think about this peace that Jesus sought to bring us, it wasn't simply an earthly peace that Jesus was bringing. The peace that Jesus would bring through the cross was really a peace between God and man. I've said this before, but Romans 5.10 tells us that apart from Christ, we live as enemies with God. That, that there is this battle raging between our hearts and, and God because of our sin. So in other words, God is so perfect and so holy and our sin is so detestable. It is so grave that, that apart from Jesus Christ, there is no way for, for a sinful man to have this peaceable relationship with a holy God. And so the only way that that sinful man and a holy God are going to have a peaceful relationship together is for someone to do something to bring that peace. And this is exactly what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He satisfied the requirements of our sin and the requirements of death that we might have this peace relationship between God and man. So... As we think about Jesus being our peacemaker, let me just pause and ask, have you allowed 
Jesus to bring this peace into your life? Have you received this peace into your life? You know, you may recognize that there is a battle raging in your own life. And, and, and you may not fully understand why it's there, but, but you recognize, man, I, I just need peace in my life. There's, there's a battle raging, and that battle is raging inside of all of us because of our sin. And so if you recognize that you have that battle raging inside of you, then let me just remind you that Jesus is the peace that you need. Jesus is the peace that we all need. And so if you will confess your sins to God, and if you allow for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, then, then you will receive this peace into your life that you so desperately need. And understand there is only one who can be our peacemaker, and that is Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh, saves. So Jesus is revealed to be our peacemaker. Second, Jesus is revealed to be our Passover lamb. So in verses 36 and 37, we, we see this picture of the crowds that have, have gathered to, to, to really shout their praises to the Lord as he is coming into Jerusalem. But understand, more than simply a crowd of people that would have been there, there also would have been just an, this enormous amount, a crowd of animals, unblemished animals that, that would have been taken to Jerusalem to be Passover animals, to be sacrificed for Passover. So every year, uh, every 10 years, a, a census is taken in the U.S. Our, our census really became practice back in the year 1790. Now, if you're driving from Lavernia into Stockdale, you'll see that that population sign out there says uh, that Stockdale has just over 1,400 people. I think that was from the 2010 census. So there was a Jew Jewish historian named Josephus, and Josephus writes that one year a census was taken, not of the number of people, but of the number of Passover lambs that were slain. And that year there was more than 256,500 lambs that were slain, more than 175 times the amount of people in Stockdale. And so so these lambs would have just been continually driven up that road into Jerusalem. And, and so in the same way that these lambs are entering into Jerusalem. Here Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, and he's likely surrounded by all of these other Passover lambs. But here Jesus is going into Jerusalem to be the great and final lamb. In addition, Jewish law required the Passover lambs to, to reside with the people that would sacrifice them, to be with them for at least three days prior to their sacrifice. And so here, as we see Jesus entering into Jerusalem, we see that Jesus is going in, according to Jewish law, he's going in in advance to live among the people that are shouting Hosanna right now, but they're later going to shout crucify him, and he's going to be among the people that he's going to be the sacrifice for. Now, I think it's also important to note 
that Jesus didn't just enter Jerusalem, he came into this world. If we look to the beginning of the Gospel of John, John 1, 1, 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then you jump down to verse 14, and it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus didn't just enter Jerusalem. Jesus came into this world to live among the very people that he was going to be a sacrifice he didn't come simply to become a human. He came to be our Passover lamb because he is Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. Now, before I move on to my next point, let me also say this. On this side of the cross, on this side of Christ's sacrifice, we understand that, that Jesus' desire isn't simply to dwell with us. His desire is to dwell in us. That, that as we turn our lives over to him, that we would allow him into our lives, not simply to be our Passover lamb, but to be our ever-present Lord. So Jesus is revealed to be our peacemaker. He's revealed to be our Passover lamb. Third, Jesus is revealed to be the fulfillment of prophecy. Let's look at verses 36 through 38 again. It says, As he was going along, they were spe- spreading their clothes on the road. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Jesus is revealed to be the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, we're able to understand this fulfillment on this side of the cross because we have both the prophecies in the Old Testament, but then we have all of the fulfillment of those prophecies that we can look at in the New Testament. But if we look at the parallel passage of the triumphal entry in the book of John, John chapter 12, we see that the disciples that were there at the time didn't understand what was happening before their very eyes. So if we look back to a prophecy in Zechariah 9.9, we read, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now here in Luke chapter 19, this prophecy is literally playing out before their very eyes. But they're so close to it, as they're going through it, they can't see. They don't understand what is happening It's only later on after Jesus goes to the cross, after he raises again, that they're able to look back and say, so that's what God was doing. That's what was going on when Jesus rode in on that donkey. As people shouted those words, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what was happening. God was literally fulfilling prophecies right before their very eyes, but they couldn't see it as they were going through it. You know, life is like that sometimes. Maybe you're going through something right now. You don't understand what you're going through. You don't know why God has you going through it. But later on, after you get through it, after God has accomplished whatever it is that that he wants to accomplish, his purpose in that situation, you will be able to look back and say, so that's what God was doing. That's what you were doing when when you were doing that in my life. Here, the the disciples, they didn't understand what was happening. But later on, they were able to look back and say, Jesus was fulfilling the prophecy right before our very eyes. 
And I want you to hear this. There is only one who has ever fulfilled every single prophecy, and that is Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. So Jesus is revealed to be our peacemaker. He's revealed to be our Passover lamb. He's revealed to be the fulfillment of prophecy. Finally, this morning, Jesus is revealed to be worthy of all praise. Let's look at verses 39 and 40 again. It says, some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered them, I tell you, if any, or if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Jesus revealed he is worthy of all praise. And, and so as the Pharisees are trying to get Jesus to, to quiet the crowd, Jesus speaks some words that would clearly indicate to the Pharisees that, that he believed himself to be more than just a man, that he believed himself to be God, that he believed himself to be the Messiah. If we look back at Psalm 96, 11 through 12, we read, Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and all that fills it resound. Let the fields and everything in them celebrate. Then all the trees of the forest will shout for joy. No mere man could be worthy of such an honor. Only God himself could command the fields and the trees and even the stones to cry out to praise him. And this is exactly what Jesus told the Pharisees would happen if the people failed to praise him. That even the stones would cry out in their place. Because understand, Jesus was no mere man. Jesus was... God in the flesh. He was the Messiah, and so he was worthy of all praise. And understand, our, our, our Jesus is worthy of that praise because he is Yeshua, Yahweh saves. Now, as we get ready to close today, let me say this. Jesus' desire is not for the stones to cry out, but his desire is that you and I would cry out, that we would cry out in humility, that we would cry out in repentance, that we would cry out in praise. And if you're here today and you would say you've never cried out to Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, then hear me today, Jesus have, has lived up to his name. He is Yeshua. He is Yahweh saves. And his desire is to save you. And if you would say Jesus has never saved you from your sins, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond right now. And so we're going to sing another song in just a moment. As, as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here today and you would say, that's me. I've never asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I've never made him the Lord of my life. But today I've heard that I do have sins that need to be forgiven. And that Jesus is the one that died for me, that he rose again, and that in him there is forgiveness and a life without end. If today, if that's you, then let me encourage you. As we sing, I'm going to be standing right down front. Step out of your seat. Come and talk with me. Let's pray. Today can be the day that you receive that peace that only Jesus can bring. Now, if you're here today and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism by immersion to, to publicly confess Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life, but I'm ready to do that. 
If that's you, then I want you to respond as well. We can talk, we can pray, we can, we can make that commitment today for you to be baptized. Maybe you're here today and you would say, I've given my life to Christ and I've been baptized already. By immersion, just as God calls us to do. And you've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale and you know that God's calling you to make this your church home. To come and connect your life with ours. To be on mission with this church body. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments though, let me encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.